Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. But there's no way you can work on your financial freedom if you don't have the right mindset. Today, I want to talk about the 17 Principles of Personal Achievement by Napoleon Hill. Now, I read Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, many, many years ago. It had to be, it had to be at least 35, 40 years ago that I read the book. I was in my early 20s. And I remember reading it for the first time, and on each and every page of this book, this is the statement it makes up front, on each and every page of this book will be the secret to your success. All of the things necessary to be successful are in this book, and the fact that each and every chapter has another set of important points to be made, you will not be ready for those points at each and every point along the way of reading this book. And that's a paraphrase, by the way. What it basically meant was is that you are not successful enough to understand some of the higher levels of success necessary to get to where you're at. I've gone through no less than 20 different stages. Uh, that might even be a, a low number of different points in my career where I thought this was important. Then I changed it slightly and I got better results. And then I thought this was important. Then I changed that theory a little bit, honed it a little bit, added another theory, and so on and so forth. And I continue to do that. I still find myself revising and honing the little ideas that are necessary to keep you on point to be successful. And I remember back when I first started this journey, it was interesting to me. It's one of the, one of the most fun stories to tell. I was sitting in a all-you-could-eat salad place. I think it was called the Salad Bar at the time in Houston, Texas. And in walks two guys. One was Dan Pastorini, which was an ex-quarterback for the Houston Oilers. And the other one was a guy that owned the, the local exotic cars and BMWs. They had all different kinds of cars. And they were sitting at a table across from me chatting. And uh, Dan Pastorini, the quarterback, looked over at me and says, Ah, I see you're reading Think and Grow Rich. I said, yes, I am. And he said, wow, how many times have you read it so far? And I said, I've read it about six times. He said, yeah, you're probably getting close to understanding. He says, he says, I'm on number 11. And you know, you think about that for a second, you go, why would you read the same book 11 times? Or why did I read it six times? And I'll tell you the story because it's very important. By the way, if you have not read Think and Grow Rich, then don't even begin to think you're going to be as financially successful as you could be. But as I read the book the first time, I color-coded it. I highlighted the items that I thought were important. You know, they really made sense to me. Go, boy, yeah, that's it. That's the light bulb thing I needed right there. And I highlighted the ones that I thought were really important. When I came back and read the book the second time, I used a different highlighter. And what was interesting is when I came to the areas that I had already highlighted, I found myself sounding something like this. 
I don't know why I highlighted that last time, because it's so much common sense. And what I had found it happened was that which I had thought was important and I paid attention to and I studied became a part of me. And over a period of time, I became the book. The ideas and the theories and the belief systems were ingrained in me. But as Napoleon Hill said in his first chapter, I wasn't ready for all the ideas yet. Some of the ideas were too big for me. And each and every time as I read the book the six times with different color codes every time, I found that there were even after six times ideas that I was not ready for. By the time I got to the sixth time, the book was like a coloring book of ideas and theories. Each time as I read on again, I looked back at the previous colors and again, at every level believed, man, I don't get why I highlighted that. That is so obvious, so commonsensical in that era. I think you need to read that book, and I think you need to do the very same thing I did. I really believe it. I've read a couple books that have changed my life financially, and I'll list them right now. One of them is Think and Grow Rich. One of them is Richest Man in Babylon. And the other one is E-Myth, which is The Entrepreneurial Myth by Gerber. If you haven't read those three books, I think that you are ignorant of financial possibility. I don't care how much college education you have, if you're an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever you are, if you haven't read those three books and consumed them mentally, you're ignorant of financial possibilities. Whatever it is you've achieved in your life up to this point is way less than what you could have achieved up to this point in your life if you would have consumed those three books. They are financially the best I've ever read. Um, if you want to look at the low-end stuff, Richest Man in Babylon is what I started my kids on. Incredible set of parables about life and about money. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a very easy read by Robert Kiyosaki um, that I think that I brought forward to my kids when they were young. Because those two books are really simple and they bring out really, really basic financial concepts. But man, when you get into the higher end stuff like Think and Grow Rich or even higher end stuff like E-Myth, it changes your entire life. You will see the world from a completely different point of view. Whenever I do a two-day, I send out a questionnaire. And inevitably, what comes back is that people were surprised that I could present material that was almost diametrically opposed to everything they've been taught in their entire life. It's interesting because some people told me, hi, I've been listening to you. I ask whether you hear about us. And some people have listened to me for a couple months and then take action. Some people even said they're embarrassed to say they listened to me for years before they took action. I don't know which one you are sitting out there. Obviously, if you're listening to me, it's either been for a short time, medium time, or long time. Whatever it's been, I'm sorry that I failed you, that I didn't get you motivated sooner to come in and start taking advantage of changing your life financially. But I'll keep hacking away here. I'm still alive, and I'm probably in better health than I've been in the last couple of years, so I'm feeling good about living a little longer right now. And I want to continue to drive home these points that are so important. So today, Success Magazine had, had copied off the 17 principles of personal achievement uh, that were Napoleon Hill's uh, backbone of his theories. And I just want to go through them with you. 
you know, obviously, um, this isn't going to change you. This isn't like reading the book and getting the full, you know, the full feel of the ideas and so forth. But it's just want to touch on these ideas and see what you think about them and see if you can understand the importance of them. Uh, there's 17 of them. I doubt if we can get to all 17 in a show. But let's see what we can do. I'm not going to try to rewrite the book or read you the book because this isn't even a book form. It's just an outline. And I just want to share with you as much as I can to get you as close as you can possibly get to where you want to be. Because these 17 ideas are 17 ideas that took me six readings to get. I might have picked up three or four of them in the beginning, maybe five or six of them by the second one. You know, by the third time I read it, I probably up to eight or 10 or 12. And by the time I got through six times, I think I finally understood the importance of each of these, although they seemed totally unimportant at the point of reading the first time. It's interesting. Some of these things seemed like, yeah, that's a stupid idea. That's a ridiculous idea. That doesn't mean anything. My favorite, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, is the favorite book that I've ever read, read in my life. It gave me more insight to business and su business success than any other book I've ever read. And uh, today we're going over 17 principles. This, these principles were sucked out of the book by Success Magazine. Uh, it's an outline. I'm not going to try to read the book to you. The book's not even here. I've just got the outline. And I want to talk about each and every one of these. The first one that's not even on this list, which I think is my favorite, Napoleon Hill statement is whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. Now, that's not even on this list, so I don't even, unless it's way back somewhere, I don't know, but the bottom line is, is that it's important for you to understand that you have to be able to conceive and believe something before you can achieve it. So let's talk with, about conceive. I don't think most of you out there can conceive being rich. Most of you can't even conceive being retired. None of you can conceive being retired in two to five years. That's the problem. You can't conceive it because, nor believe it because everything you've been taught your entire life says it's not possible. You cannot get rich quick is the saying you've revived your whole life. You've been told that you need to save for your retirement, for your old age. The reality is, I don't believe that's necessary. I believe you create enough passive streams of income that will support you now, and those passive streams of income will continue to support you for the rest of your life. That's what I believe. So, whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, you have to first of all conceive it. That's why you're listening to this show, I guess, is that you're trying to conceive some of the ideas that I'm sharing with you. Now the problem is, how do you get to the belief zone? I had somebody on yesterday who said that he had skepticism when he first started listening, but he had to overcome it by researching Lifestyles Unlimited, coming to some of our case study events, uh, meeting the people. Then he realized it was real, and then he took off. Um, you've got to learn to conceive and believe before you can achieve. There's no just going out and achieving. You can't experiment while not believing and expect to accomplish your goal. Now, the first one on the list here is definiteness of purpose. Definite purpose is the starting point of all achievement. Without a purpose and a plan, people drift aimlessly through life. Uh, I totally agree with this. This one was easy for me. When I was 200 pounds in fourth grade, I had a definiteness of purpose. I wanted to be a bodybuilder. And I became a bodybuilder, competitive bodybuilder, won many contests, power lifter, won many contests, Olympic lifter, won just one or two contests because I didn't do it very long. Um, 
I had this definiteness of belief of what I wanted to be. I knew it. It was all-encompassing to me. That's the only thing that mattered to me at the time. Yes, I went through school and got my grades, and I did life, but all that was peripheral to this definiteness of purpose. Now, once I became a bodybuilder, and I went to work in corporate America at a health club, uh, I wanted to become a competitive bodybuilder and win major competitions. So while I was working and living my life, and the rest of my life was whirling around this commitment, then I became a committed bodybuilder in my 20s and won major contests. After that was done, I decided I wanted to retire. So I committed to saving money, investing money in the stock market, watching it, day trading, doing all the stuff everybody tells you to do. And subsequently figured out that that wasn't working, that I lost large sums of money uh, on Black Monday, set back mentally. And then I realized I had to have, I still had the same commitment. The commitment was to retirement. I was not going to work until I'm 65 years old. My commitment was to retire. So I started looking into other options. Real estate became one of them. I could conceive how it would work. The, the, the materials that I was able to get my hands on were well enough conceived that I could understand them and I could see how it could work. I just perceived them. I conceived them. And then I eventually achieved them. I started into the operation of buying single-family houses. My goal, my all-one-purpose goal in life at that time was to obtain 100 houses. I just, it was a, just a goal. It was a fanatical goal to have 100 houses. So after I accomplished that goal, my next goal was to, was, uh, to accomplish lifestyles. Lifestyles became very successful in Houston. We expanded to Dallas, San Antonio, Fort Worth. And that became a major goal completed. Um, at that point, during that point, I picked up another goal, and that was to have over a thousand units. Uh, no longer was a hundred exciting to me because people were doing way more than that around me. So I wanted to do a thousand units. So I ended up doing about eleven hundred units, I think, at my peak. Um, that was a goal that was all encompassing for a year or two or three. I mean, it's all I did for a couple of years. Next came my goal to be a national company with lifestyles so now we're all over the country we have a, a party coming up here with our ambassadors from all over the country over 300 people coming in that have helped us grow this business all over the country uh, there are members in every state many members in other countries so that goal was just focused on and i'm still focused on that goal because i'm not complete haven't completely gotten there yet but we have accomplished you know a good 50 percent of what we're going to get accomplished here in the near future, it will grow forever just like the regular program does. And then my next goal was to become a mega millionaire. And so I sold off my properties for massive profit and uh, took my money to look for a new way to re-leverage my money into real estate. I thought it was going to be Class A apartments. I drove after Class A apartments over and over and over again for about a year and a half seeing that there was no way that we could make the same kind of profits with those as we were making with our Class B and Class C properties. So I decided to take a page out of Curtis's book, Curtis Haynes. Curtis owned like 40 apartment complexes, 10,000 plus units. And I said, you know what? Maybe that's the way to go here at the end. That way I don't have to be a lead investor anymore. I don't have to be an IRO anymore. I can spend my time just relaxing and sharing it with the my family and so forth, and also Lifestyles members. 
So I decided to go passive. So the, the goal right now, right in front of me, is I want to buy 20 apartment complexes by the end of the year. How's it working out? I bought two within the first week of making this decision. I've got three more lined up on the firing squad right now, ready to take down. That'd be five of them within a month. I think I can hit the 20 by the end of the year. Uh, and then from there, we'll decide what that goal is. I think if you look at Curtis as a rabbit, 40 properties, 10,000 units, that's a, that's a good goal to follow. You know, I believe that you don't have to be the first guy through the door. I believe leaders go places no one's ever gone before and send back maps. I don't necessarily need to be the leader. I'm the map guy. When you bring the map back, I'll take the map and teach it to, you know, the 35,000 members that we have here at Lifestyles right now. I don't mind being the map guy. I don't mind other people getting out there and taking the risks and charging forward into the forest and sending back the map. Curtis is a Lewis and Clark kind of guy with the way he's approaching this, completely different than anybody else has. And I don't mind following his canoe down the river. So there we go. That is the first one. Definiteness of purpose. Something you need to be thinking about. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life changing principles in just a few minutes. Stop waiting, stop sitting around, stop procrastinating. This is your time. Make it happen. Do it now. When's the best time? Now. People go, well, I don't know. It's going to crash. It's going to be better next year. It's, I've got to listen to four more classes. I love guys come up to me all the time. You know, I've been listening to you on the radio for eight years now, right? <laughs> I go, and you're not rich yet? <laughs> well, really, I'm thinking about joining next month. <laughs> Do it now. Learn the skills you need to retire with real estate in five years or less. Do it now. Register for the Lifestyles Unlimited free online workshop, lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about Napoleon Hill's 17 Principles of Personal Achievement. Uh, We've gotten through two of them so far. We're on actually number two on the list. I put an extra one in there. And this one is the Mastermind Principle consists of an alliance of two or more minds working in perfect harmony for the achievement of common, definite objective. Um, guys, I totally believe in the mastermind theory. It is the complete premise behind Lifestyles Unlimited. If you come into Lifestyles Unlimited, you're going to find that we have tremendous number of highly successful mentors, highly successful consultants, and tremendous number of highly successful award-winning investors that all put their minds together to tackle problems and to solve problems and to push forward to have higher and higher success as far as real estate investors. Now, I started this process when I was young. When I wanted to lose weight when I was 200 pounds, I worked out by myself. I just went in the basement and closed the doors and followed the 
prescription given to me by a guy named Bruce Randall who had lost from 400 pounds to 220 pounds being Mr. Universe. And I ate it and drank his diet, worked his workout, did everything that he did. And it worked. I just followed his plan. So I had the uh, allegiance with one other mind. I've read other books, of course, and other people's information. But I had that allegiance. But when I got out of there, I, I found that if you have the wrong mastermind, I played in high school on a football teams a couple years. And what I found was you can tell if a team's going to win or lose right away. And when I was a part of these teams, I could tell that the, the mastermind coalition of this team, which was the coach and assistant coaches and so forth, were bad. They were terrible. And I knew we were going to lose. Uh, you could just tell. And from that point on, I realized in my life that I was never going to align myself with some other bad group of people. That if I couldn't find a great group of people to associate with, I would create that great group of people. And it doesn't mean I have to be the greatest. In fact, what it really meant for me to be successful is I had to be the most humble. Now, I had to be very outspoken to get people to listen to me, to say, hey, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I had to be able to present the process. But I had to be humble enough to let there be room enough in that room for egos, for pride, for growth, for ability, for skills. And I had to realize that I could not claim the expertise of every single item that we would discuss. In fact, very few items. The only thing I could ever really add was my personal experience and the fact that I started the program and had the hindsight is 2020 issue going for me. So as I created a group around me to become, uh, wanted to be an Olympic lifting team, I went to the National Olympic lifting team and, and the coach didn't like me. And I had with me most of the successful athletes, I had trained them myself and myself and he didn't like me and he wasn't going to put me on the team so we left and we created our own mastermind i got some of the top guys in the country to come in and coach us and we ended up winning right uh after that i got all the top power lifters in the country not all of them but i got a good number of the top power lifters in the country which many of which ended up being the strongest men in the world at that time and they all coached each other. We all were on a team together. We all mentored each other on how to do different types of training for your squat, your bench press, your deadlift, and all the auxiliary exercises we do to be able to compete at the highest level. After I left that, I became part of a mastermind group of people and the health club industry. And when that mastermind group worked correctly, they would allow us to create new ideas and concepts and achievements. And we broke almost all records that were in the health club industry until they decided they didn't want to listen to the mastermind anymore. They wanted to do it their way. In which time I was retiring. They went on, did something else, lost the mastermind. They lost the group of really smart people they had accumulated. That's the, the reason Bally Manufacturing went out of business. There was a group, probably about 10 of us, that were some of the, the best health club operators in the country, and they lost us. They just didn't appreciate what they had. So we left. I became a single-family investor. And when I was out there by myself again, 
I found the need to create a team around me, and I started accumulating finance guys, attorneys, CPAs, um, real estate agents, brokers to find me the deals. I accumulated this mastermind group around me to help me succeed. Now, once I had that mastermind and I started Lifestyles, we expanded that mastermind uh, as into our vendor program right now, which we have. And then we started an internal group of real estate investors. We call them uh, the TNL, the next level, which were the top real estate investors in the country. And there's about 25 to 50 of these people at any one time that are active in this group, but they are the top real estate investors in the country. I bar none, I guarantee you. As far as independent real estate investors, I'd put them up against anybody. And so there it is again. There's that mastermind team. Now at Lifestyles, again, I had to have a mastermind team. When I first started Lifestyles, I had a small group. As Lifestyles grew, I had to expand it. So right now, I think I probably have. Uh, let's see, I have a vice president in charge of customer service. I have a vice president in charge of mentoring. I have a vice president in charge of real estate. I have a vice president in charge of marketing and sales. I have a vice president in charge of education. You just go down the list. Oh, I got a vice president in charge of IT. Massive team of people. In fact, if you look at Lifestyles, you'd think, well, you know, think about Dave Dodato, Robert Allen, Jeff McCone, Tommy Boo, the Milans, Ron the Grand, Carlos Cheese, Robert Kiyosaki. All these guys were just like salesmen. And their product was really just education on a piece of paper or on a disc, on a video or whatever. There really was no real mentor group. There really was no mastermind in the middle of it all to make it work. Um, this company works because the infrastructure is so thick and so strong that the people on the edges that you get to touch, the super, super smart, effective people, are supported by a system. Those people wouldn't be out there if they had to act like and work like an employee. They're there because there are employees to take care of those types of events. So the mastermind team is very, very important. If you don't have one, you need to start developing one. The next one is applied faith. Faith is a state of mind through which your aims, desires, plans, and purposes may be translated into their physical or financial equivalent. Faith is the belief that if I do X and Y, I will get Z. If you didn't have that faith, Right? If I didn't have faith that a diet would work, I could never stay on the diet. If I didn't have faith that working out with weights would build muscles, I could never have continued to do it. If I didn't have faith that investing my money in real estate was going to make me rich, then I would not have been able to do it or keep doing it. Faith is that thing that keeps you on track. It's that compass, that due north that you know where it's always at, and that it's always at play within your life. If you have faith in the wrong things, like many of you, if you do bad things, you're going to go to hell. There's your faith. Where is your faith that if you do good things, great things are going to happen for you? We've all been told negative things. If you break the law, you're going to jail. If you break the religious laws, you're going to hell. If you don't have the right relationship, you're going to get a divorce. All of these negative beliefs are still beliefs. 
You're never going to get rich quick. There's a belief. And when you believe these things, you believe you're going to have to work until you're 65, it will come true. On the other hand, if you believe, like we do, that you can retire in two to five years, then it will happen for you. You just have to believe it and have applied faith. Because if you don't have the faith that it works, you won't stick with it long enough for it to work. Which leads us to the next one, going the extra mile. When you go the extra mile, the law of compensation comes into play. Going the extra mile is the action of rendering more and better services than that for which you were presently paid. When you go that extra mile, the law of compensation comes into play. And that's exactly the belief system we have at Lifestyles Unlimited. My belief system in life is best product, best price. Or if it's worth doing it all, it's worth doing the best you can possibly do it. That's a belief that has allowed me to be successful at almost everything I've taken on in life. Today we're covering Napoleon Hill's 17 Principles of Personal Achievement, and we're number five right now. Obviously, we won't get through all 17, but I think you should be looking up the Think and Grow Rich book anyway and cover it yourself, read the whole book. But number five is an interesting one. It's one of the ones that I didn't get the first time through the book. It didn't mean anything to me. It's called Have a Pleasing Personality. Personality is a sum total of one's mental, spiritual, and physical traits and habits and distinguishes one from others. It is the factor that determines whether one is liked or disliked by others. That doesn't seem like very important when you're a young kid. When I was a young kid, I was fat, 200 pounds in fourth grade, became a successful athlete in high school, became class president, uh, had really good grades, and was kind of a, a loner kind of guy. Because I had gone from everybody hating me and pushing me around and being mean to me because I was just a fat kid with Coke bottle glasses, I had a chip on my shoulder and I wasn't very friendly. And this chip and this attitude stayed with me all the way into corporate America uh, when I was in the health club industry in every business, but especially in the health club industry. It was like people would say, Dell, you're the most effective employee we've ever had, but nobody likes you. And... I remember them sending me to Dale Carnegie training classes, uh, public speaking classes, and so forth, for whatever. They send all the guys there. But um, I remember reading a, a book about how everybody believes that they're good and everybody else believes uh, that themselves are good. And, you know, whether there's right or there's wrong, there's your opinion. And that if you uh, will approach people from the point of view that, you have to listen to their opinion. You have to be aware of their needs and so forth, that you'll have a much better opportunity to be able to communicate with them and hence get something done with them. And the pleasing personality thing was, like I said, it was one of the last ones I picked up. But boy, once I picked it up, it was like it changed everything in my life. I'm going to give you four or five different examples of what I mean. One of the things that I learned to do which if you listen to me on the radio, you'll, you'll hear it. When I ask people questions and I interview them, I shut up and listen to their answers. Even if I don't like their answers, I will listen to the entire answer before I will dissect it and come back and try to go deeper on them or counter the argument. That respect to listen to other people's argument is something that is very important. The next one was... I never smiled because I was a little fat kid and ugly. I didn't like taking pictures and uh, I didn't like my teeth and whatever. I didn't, just didn't like smiling. 
you know so I never took pictures and when I did I didn't smile and when I was around people I didn't smile and one of the things I had to actually learn how to do believe it or not is I had to learn how to smile and I had to learn how to shake hands and I had to learn how to be within proximity of people now, I'm sharing a lot with you here guys but do you understand what those things mean? First of all, I'd stand in front of the mirror and smile. Now, Melissa laughs at me. She says, when people stand next to you to take pictures of you, you look like a billboard. There might as well be a cut out of you because you always have this same big grin smile, always looks the same. And it's because I practiced that smile for years to get that, that so it was relaxed, so it looked real, so you know it, it was enjoyable to be around. Next thing I had to learn to do was to come in and shake hands and pull in for a little hug. Man, being a bodybuilder, you know, you just don't like people touching you. You know, there's that reality that somebody might say, oh, look, he's, he's hugging on somebody, he's gay. Whatever it is, whatever the persona is, is just big guys don't like to get soft and cuddly. And I had to learn to get soft and cuddly. So I forced myself. When I would meet people to come up, and the reason I learned this, I had a girlfriend that could get anybody to do anything in the whole world. What she would do is she'd grab their hand to shake it, pull them in, put her other hand on top of their hand, and just look right in their eyes and go, thank you very much, whatever. So I started doing that, the handshake with the hand on top. And then I pulled it in to give me a hug. And now I even do it in my seminars. I have people get up and, and I, I give them a hug right in the middle of the, the whole stadium. And, and the reason is because then people see that you're a human being, that you softened your approach to them, that you're open to communication, and it makes all the difference in the world. I'm telling you, it's one of the most important things I ever learned in communication. They were laughing at me uh, because when we had another radio announcer here for a while, his name was Steve. And, Everybody likes Steve because on the radio, he seems like a nice guy. But when you'd meet him in person, he was cold as ice. He just didn't like being around people. He didn't like being in public. Uh, it made him very uncomfortable. He stood straight as a string. And when he talked to you, he'd look over your head um, just like ice cold. And people say, that's funny, because I thought if, when I met Steve, or when I heard Steve on the radio, he seemed like a nice guy, and you seemed like the brutal guy. But when I met you, you're the nice guy, and, and he's the, the stone-cold guy. And that's, it was that in, inadequacy that he had, that he could not communicate across to people his feelings that way in public, that ultimately ended him in a situation that he could not be successful. Um, here of late, we go to the expo, my staff laughs at me, because... People come up to me, they want to do selfies, and they always want to cuddle, cuddle in close, arms around the chest, you know, the back, whatever, big smile. I bet I took no less than 300 selfies at the expo, and that's a minimum. I might have taken 500. And you know, the thing is, I actually enjoyed it. What am I saying here? What I'm saying is when you finally get over yourself, when you finally learn to have a pleasing personality, People will be pleasing back to you. And the world of communication becomes almost simple. Yeah, it's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.
The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.